Hello, everyone, and welcome to this month's Green AV podcast. I'm pleased that you could join us today, and I'm very, very excited. I'm always excited, but this month I seem to be more excited than usual. Um, I happen to have someone very, very special joining us who is, to give you a little hint, one day ahead of us in time. Um, today I have Megan Jones with uh, Green Shoot Pacific, a company based in Sydney, Australia. She is their managing director of operations and has been a one of the, the world's most um, foremost leaders and thought leaders in the area of sustainability, in particular when it comes to meetings and events. So um, I've long been a fan, and I hope today we learn a little bit more. So welcome, Megan. Oh, thank you. What a great introduction. <laughs> yeah, we'll boost your ego a little before yeah. we start. <laughs> Thanks. Um, sure. So obviously, you know, just to give people some insight into um, who you are and what you do and of course, Green Shoot Pacific, uh, just a little bit of background information would be great to kick it off. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, as you said, I'm based in Australia, though our um, reach is international. We do have some clients internationally. And I started this company with my business partner about four years ago. And it was, we were both loose end sort of freelancers, I guess, at that point. I'd come out of a quite a major uh, full-time role in specializing in this area and I was ready to uh, mix it up a bit. So I found Jane, my business partner, who has the SEMS tool, the Sustainable Event Management um, Systems tool, and we joined forces and have expanded since then. Um, yeah, so my background came through the event industry and from a sustainability, particularly probably environmental sustainability and social justice interests, these both uh, got pushed into my professional life and I had the opportunity to work on a couple of events um, as event manager or festival director. So I got to sort of put a bit of control into the, into the situation and we um, really focused in on the sustainable operations side of things and that's what really kick-started this whole career for me. Got it. Yeah, you guys have, have really done some great work. As I mentioned, you know, I've I've tracked what you, you've done over the years, and we've worked on a couple of projects, I think, together even, or not projects, but um, some of the standards development, and yes, um, I think you were part of the um, ISO standards, and so... Um, yeah, that's right. We were, um, myself and our company were involved in both the ISO 2012-1 development, and I was personally one of the uh, 10 industry specialists that were on the development of the Global Reporting Initiative Event Organizer Sector Supplement right. as well. Right, mm. yes, yeah, so definitely experienced. And along those lines, you know, I mean, our particular audience that listens to this show um, is a mix, of course, of AV professionals. But I thought what might be most interesting to those who listen to this show is, number one, you have a um, background in working with some of the festivals and in even touring areas. And that's not something that, um, you know, some great work has been done, but I don't think a lot of the more, you know, the, the technology providers or the um, festivals and um touring providers get to hear a lot about what's happening. So I thought you could bring a, um, a unique sort of twist to this show and tell us a little bit more about some of what's happening that you've seen in the festivals and, and touring and, and maybe even some of the, you know, that type of arena. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, um, my background, yes, is in is in music festivals. So obviously, there's a massive touring component in that involved in that either through the events themselves touring. So we've had clients where you know it's a festival and it goes and visits six or seven cities. <clears throat> Excuse me. So there's a, a, a big touring component there. Um, in the UK, I was also involved in co-authoring a, um, the impact of attendee travel touring to events. Um, so that was an interesting one. And certainly transport is one of the major um, impacts, be it freight production transport, uh, be it artist uh, travel so if you're looking from a touring angle the the artists themselves usually flying in and out and certainly um, the attendee travel often um, ground or or air travel so I think that um, when we're looking at touring and we're looking at major festivals if we're if we're talking about the specific impacts and whittling it back obviously to GHG we we seem to be focusing on uh, both power for the events and also travel. Now, it, it is really interesting when you you know do all of the data wrangling uh, for the impacts of these major events, uh, tours, touring events, or um, static festivals. That looking at the the relative difference between energy at events um, and those GHG impacts impacts as well as the touring and, and transport impacts and we're involved in a in a uh, program at the moment through Live Performance Australia which is a industry association for touring and um, and festival promoters so those that are touring shows around the country and those that are promoting static festivals and we're focusing it on it's being focused on energy efficiency so we're right now we're right in the middle of this uh, two-year program to have a look at energy efficiency of these sorts of events. So we've also got venues in there as well. And um, it's really interesting to see where the gains can be made with regards to energy efficiency. And we're going right down into the detail, which will be interesting for your AV uh, professionals listening to this. So we've got a lighting panel and they're really getting into the detail of um, energy efficiency, obviously in, in stage uh, lighting arrays as well as um, LED screens, etc. And I know that in the UK, a uh, really great uh, PhD study has been done on, on this, uh, particularly looking at power pull from stages from uh, traders, so the, the storeholders and caterers, and also from general um, site requirements. So there is a lot of detailed study being done in uh, regards to on stage and I guess at event energy demand. But it is so different uh, pulling power from mains power, so from your grid power, uh, compared to mobile power. So we're really looking into the detail of that because as you know, if you're achieving efficiencies in lighting, say in AV, um, on stages that may not translate to um, reduced GHGs because it all depends on the the generator size and right sizing and right sighting generator. So we're, we're really delving into that sort of detail as well. So we'll be able to share our findings with your listeners uh, through links in the future. Ooh, that's fascinating. So Live Performance mm. Australia, is that something that... Um, is I'm assuming you know on the on a website if we were to just Google that. 
Yeah, for sure. So Life Performance Australia is the industry association. The um the resources themselves will be will be freely available. You don't need to be a member. Mm. Uh, so they will involve um, uh, fact sheets, checklists, case studies, and then there'll be uh, also workshops and webinars, etc. That would be mainly for Australian members. Mm. Uh, but the the other information will freely be available. But I, I also must mention. Uh, Julie's Bicycle in the UK have done a lot of work in uh, particularly in touring and definitely around energy um, and also uh, another great organisation is called oh my goodness I can't remember <laughs> isn't that terrible in a live no. interview but um, no. it, it was going to be the Green Festival Alliance but they changed their name so I'll get you a list of links okay. and um and I'll uh, provide that. But there's been some great studies, especially that, that PhD study that I was telling you about. That's freely available. Uh, so if there's any real nerdy AD, AV people out there that want to get into, you know, seeing all sorts of graphs and things of, of how energy is being pulled from various equipment um, through generators, that's all available. So, yeah, I'll, I'll share all of those links. Oh, yeah, we have plenty of um, those highly geeky and detail-oriented yeah. people, so I'm sure yeah. that that would be a fabulous resource um, to take a look at. And as you mentioned, mm. you know, the mobile power isn't always addressed, so I think that that's, um, I think that's a really unique angle and one more way to kind of take a deeper dive into sustainability for these types of events. Yeah, and another, another aspect to that is power factor correction, and so the years will pick prick up for those listeners that are certainly electrical minded um, and that is something that, that we're looking at you know as, be, as uh, more in inverted commas energy efficient uh, sound, sound and lighting comes on in terms of being available for us to use um, power factor correction becomes a, a bigger issue and uh, without going into the detail of course it you know it is something that we all need to be thinking about because it makes generators run less efficient less efficiently and if you've if you're in major venues they've likely got power factor correction units um, in place uh, but anyway it's something something to consider uh, because the the power factor can affect the amount of uh, electricity drawn down versus the amount of electricity supplied. So um, it depends on the venue whether they're being billed for power being drawn down or power supplied. Uh, so yeah, there is a budgetary uh, consideration as well as the efficient use of electricity. So these sorts of things are really what's being looked at. We're getting, yeah, as you say, a deeper dive down into these technical aspects of efficiency. That's really great. And and again, that's one more thing that listeners can kind of research and look into because, again, you don't always hear these types of conversations. So that's fantastic. Um, yeah. And, you know, I was thinking, you know, just out of curiosity, have you and your experience, you know, particularly when it comes to technology, um, I know in the past you and I traded emails about, hey, have you seen anyone doing anything that, you know, really caught your eye or seemed innovative? I mean, for you, when you think of audiovisual and production, um, are there any practices or, um, you know, innovations that have have caught your attention and, and really struck you as something that is duplicable, that people can do anywhere, or, or is really innovative and why the heck haven't more people thought of that? 
Yeah. Okay. So we're we still talking about AV and energy. Yeah. Around. Te- yes, yeah. 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 Technology. Yeah. Well, the obvious one, of course, are LED lights. Mm-hmm. Um. And in any other lights which have a, a great efficiency rating, uh, you know, it, it is unusual. No, it's unusual. Unusual is not the word. It's it's surprising why you would still see, um, you know, great power hunky, hungry parkans out on stages pushing all of that heat out onto performers. But we do obviously have the challenge of, um, you know, getting the right effects. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, moving to LEDs is, has to be the way forward and as we as the technology grows, we're going to be able to get it, get the effects that we need on stages, so that we're not losing production value. So I think that that is a really obvious one. Um, I one 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 thing also is you know it's things as simple as has anyone been given the job to turn the generator off after the show has finished. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes these sorts of things get a little bit lost. Like I've because doing this LPA Live Performance Australia research, we've been talking to generator suppliers and finding out what their um, gripes are. And one of them has been when we get to the event the next day at ten a.m. to pull out the stuff, the generators are still running. Ooh, wow! Yeah. Oof. So there's there's you know in the cut and thrust of a, a very busy event, some basic things do get. Uh, forgotten Um, so you know it really is about being being mindful having your systems in place having somebody to check across everything yes Um, but and and they're just straight housekeeping style um, you know answers but there are of course events that have gone power free that have um, segmented an aspect to their event say one stage or a couple of stages and they're they're all run on solar Mm -hmm. or in in fact on pedal power um, (laughs) which was a really great thing I know that in the states you've got um, global inheritance which have got the fantastic pedal power um, and also hamster wheels and all sorts of things set up (laughs) um, which is really you know really really great and it's doable and what what's great about um having solar or pedal or these other kinetic style energy sources is that you you've got an absolute power limit and you have to put your people on power diets or quotas mm. and there's no room to move so it really gets gets uh, your production staff the bands uh, and 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 AV suppliers thinking about what their power pool really will be mm-hmm. um i think the also events um not asking what bands require or what stage AV uh, lighting designers require just or not asking them to think about their efficiencies just giving them what they need Mm -hmm. without putting any efficiency challenges towards them and I think that that's something that we need to do we need to get that um, conversation happening all the way from the band and the artist and their lighting designers through to you know artist liaison need to know have the language to be talking to the performers um, the stage managers need to know or, or whichever um, official title you use the people that are liaising between bands and AV suppliers they need to know the language around efficiency um, and that then all gets uh, forwarded on to the site manager who, um, you know, all of these 
quantities of power supply are being aggregated and extras being put on on top and you get a whole Chinese whispers scenario <laughs> and end up with oversized generators yes. um, or oversized AV specs. Mm-hmm. Um, so really having those conversations. I've actually crafted this ridiculously complex communications map for the Live Performance Australia program to um, to show all of the ebbs and flows of communications and where it can all go wrong and and um, yeah, really getting getting the language and the ideas around efficiency happening and being spoken about across that entire spectrum is important. I've called it the power planning pathway. That's um, that's actually such. You just said a couple of things that really just caught my attention. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, just what you were saying. You know, talking about power diets, right? Like, what a great yeah. idea um, to just say, well, here's how much you have can you work within those boundaries, right? And obviously there's room, but here's our goal. Make it just so simple and then um, see if they can work within those boundaries. And then I couldn't agree more about how often we oversize. Um, And I think, you know, as you said, I'd be really curious to see your, um, the communications map. I think that that's, that's a, a really great point because, we do, and I was just thinking even along the terms, a lot of events that I do, we overestimate bandwidth all the time, right? So we overpay. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. you pay yeah. more than you need as well, and there's there's money to be saved there. Um, Absolutely. The, and the, another compounding factor is that sometimes you do all of this planning and the generator company will just send you what they have uh, in their yard. Yes. Um, it's a little bit get, like getting upsized to a V8 car when you only wanted 1.3 runabout when you've gone to hire a car. Right. Um, you know, so this is something to consider. And also extracting, this is again on generator mobile power, extracting the fuel supply bill from the kit hire bill, from the genset hire bill, um, because there's obviously a profit margin to be made on mm. fuel sale if it's mm-hmm. bundled in. Um, so events that are multi-day often have a, f- a separate fuel supplier um, contractor to the generator hire contractor or they, they do it all themselves uh, because otherwise there's no incentive really on the generator hire company to reduce the efficiency, increase the efficiency, reduce the sizing, et cetera, of generators uh, if their profit margin is tied to fuel consumption. That's, a, I was just thinking about that too. You know, anytime that you can monetize efficiency, everybody yeah. is a little more yeah. motivated. Um, yeah, for sure. So I, God, we, I, could, I have probably about five more questions I could ask. Yes. But, but one thing that I think uh, that really has caught my attention as well in, in some of your recent activity has to do with the Sustainable Events Alliance and the SEA accredited professional. Um, yeah. Could you share a little more about the Sustainable Event Alliance and the, the accredited professional? Yeah, okay. Uh, so the SEA uh, was established about five years ago now and it was established with the realisation that there was no professional guild or industry association focusing on event sustainability, particularly within the special event festivals sports arena. Of course, there's GMIC in the in the States now expanding internationally for the meetings convention industry, but not for the other bit of the event industry, um, nor, as I say, professional guild. Mm. So we were starting to get people such as yourself and I and expanding <laughs> rapidly, uh, people who are specialising in this area, and we wanted a forum through which we could all 
um, talk and, and, and continue to professionalise our sector and to increase the, um, the knowledge and, and act as a knowledge hub. So it's not a, a typical event industry association that holds a conference and, you know, uh, charges membership dues and has subcommittees, etc. Of course, there is a bit of a membership um, aspect, but a membership fee aspect. But the, the, the crux of it is to share knowledge and, and advance knowledge uh, of this sector um, and as part of that, we recognised that there were potential. There was the potential for uh, individuals individuals to be either advising, training, auditing, or working within the spe- within the uh, spe- sector, but without full breadth, um, comprehensive, up to date knowledge on event sustainability. And you know, people work in in their silos and they go off and do their things and don't put their head above the parapet and look sideways and see what other people are doing. So one of the things that we decided to do was a competency um, acknowledgement sort of program and it's called the Sustainable Event Alliance Accredited Professionals Program. And it's a peer-reviewed program. We've uh, created several steps which includes an online uh, exam Mm-hmm. Where you answer about, up, I think it's about seventy questions across the full length and breadth of sustainability, and it's a test your knowledge sort of scenario as well. We allow the uh, the questions to be uh, viewed beforehand, so you can sort of read through the questions and go, "Oh, I don't know anything about that area. I need to go and sort myself out there." And you know, and of course, the information is available on the website um, about those subject areas. But we we want people to come. And do this accredited professional program uh, with the knowledge embedded in them. What we're doing really is acknowledging that they have up to the minute um, knowledge and, and competency and expertise in the in the area of event sustainability, so that they are fully fledged and ready to go to advise um, others, to train others, to audit events, and certainly to work in a specialty area within the sector. Mm. Um, and it's a way for us to advance the knowledge because part of it, you know, we want those people to be on um, speaking panels, uh, to add new case studies or information to the website knowledge portal um, and other stuff like that. So, yeah, we well, really encourage anyone who is looking into this area seriously to uh, be part of that program. Okay, so um, I think, you know, the Sustainable Event Alliance may have... Um, particular interest to these listeners because as you mentioned it falls outside of just uh, we have a lot of stagers who listen to this show who don't operate in just you know the conference world right I mean so I think that I'm sure there are a lot more resources to be found on sustainable event alliance and not to mention that hopefully some of the listeners will recognize the opportunity to contribute right so if if there's something they're doing that's Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. It's the sum of its parts. You know, the Sustainable Event Alliance is only as good as its members are contributing. So we want that Um, because otherwise there's information just, you know, sprayed across the webs, across the internet. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a way to gather. I had one intern um, working just on seeking out all of the dissertations um, and various research studies academically that have been done because we get, you know, scores of students asking us questions and so what we're doing is going back and finding all of their dissertations and studies and research programs and putting all the links in one spot 
So it is working as an archival sort of role as well. Um, but certainly if anyone's done case studies internally that they've produced for their local government or local industry sector or what have you, we want to link those as well. Fantastic. That's really great. Um, so I think we're just about out of time. And I hate this because yeah. it would be very easy <laughs> to keep talking. But I'm just curious, you know, when, when you think about what uh, were sustainable events, you know, What's happening out there, and any trends that you see that just are grow are you know existing or will be happening in the future? You know whether it be in the next year, five years, ten years. Yeah. What do you see um, happening along the lines of sustainability, and in particular for events? Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going through a natural um, uh, progression, I think, in, in terms of sophistication of knowledge, both by the industry and also by the industry stakeholders. Uh, we were in the cleaning up our own backyard phase, doing the low-hanging fruit, recycling, not having water bottles, looking, counting GHGs, etc. We're moving through that um, phase, although certainly there's a lot of events that haven't even started on that phase. But <laughs> in terms of you know the leading edge, we're we're moving through that, and um, certainly I'm seeing more and more events capitalizing on the power of the event to demonstrate sustainability in action. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is where, uh, depending on obviously the type of event and subject matter, etc., really getting, um, allowing attendees and stakeholders to experience sustainable living in action through the events. Um, but I, And moving through that, again, looking at the role that events have to contribute positively to sustainable development locally, regionally and internationally. Um, You you know, any events that um, have sponsors, obviously sponsors have recognised that they're a blank slate of communication opportunity. Certainly um, that's the case also with regards to sustainability. So either through influencing um, what's happening locally on the ground in legacy, so, you know, working with sustainable transport programs or waste programs, et cetera, and and utilising the the event, certainly those events of significant scale, to uh, fast-track some programs along. Um, And, yeah, and seeing what the event can do to contribute positively to sustainable development. So I, I think we've got those three sort of phases happening in parallel, mm. um, but definitely performance disclosure and and um, and that is the key, obviously, of sustainability reporting is disclosing where you're at. So we're starting to see some form and structure around how events are measuring their sustainability performance, mm-hmm. in, for want of a better term, and um, and disclosing those results to their stakeholders. So, and that certainly is coming with the with the production of standards and certifications to formalise this area. Uh, of course, the ISO twenty twelve one, the Global Reporting Initiative Event Organiser Sector Supplement, APACS, um, and various country specific standards that we're seeing. So, APEX, sorry, uh, yeah, so. Um, I think, you know, the formalization of it. And when I'm doing work with clients, I generally go through three phases with them. First is inspiring. Mm -hmm. Second is um, resourcing and enabling. Mm -hmm. And third is systemizing. So depend, I guess we're at that um, level as well at 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 a industry-wide level. So we've gone through the inspiring. People want to do it. 
-hmm. Then we need to go through the enabling, what resources, knowledge and solutions are available and the whole systemising, let's get our our house in order and be uh, very professional in the way that we approach things, report things, measure performance, etc. I think, um, you know, the resourcing resourcing and enabling phase is where a lot of, and I know my listeners in particular, feel challenged, you know, they're just still kind of floundering a little and in particular when it comes to audiovisual and and technology and we're you know we're dealing with wires and cables and something that is inherently not you know when you think about food you think well it comes from the earth it's something we can really work with and um you know some of the other factors transportation we can cut that down and I think that our area in, in production the world of production can really feel a little overwhelming so I think you know the more we can find the resources, um, the easier it'll be. I, the tools are there to actually systemize, but I think that that second phase is where we're seeing gaps in our, our particular industry. Yeah, I think the model that Life Performance Australia has uh, taken on I think is could be translated uh, to a lot of different geographical regions uh, via an industry association or just an inspired individual. Um, getting lighting designers, um, AV suppliers, um, power wranglers uh, and artists, venues, promoters all talking together. So we've been having these phone hookups where each of them get to sort of go talk from their point of view and then you can find common ground um, and also, you know, springboard little mini projects mm. as well. But I think a lot of it is going to come down to the technology producers, so those, those companies that are innovating um, mm. solutions because at the end of the day we, we just need to be plugging in more efficient equipment really. Right. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. so that, um, you know, when we're looking at the nuances of, you know, power factor correction or remembering to turn generators off, etc. obviously some of those um, things are either in or out of control of the general sort of AV user, mm-hmm. um, but we all do definitely have a part to play um, in this story. Also, we mustn't forget, looking at a stereotypical event, um, power is usually split a third, a third, a third between staging, uh, stall holders and traders, bars, caterers, etc., and general site requirements such as lighting amenities. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and then when we're looking at power, if we're looking at a GHD impact, the power supplied at a typical event is possibly maybe 10 to 15% of the total GHGs once you factor in attendee transport. So we mustn't be too hard on ourselves. Every little bit obviously helps. Right. But, you know, I did I did some analysis for one event, a massive event, and I worked out if I put a third of a more of a person in each car, and that's ridiculous, <laughs> but um, I would wipe out the entire GHG impacts of the powering of the event. Wow. Wow. So you have to look at picking your battles as well. Um, however, at that particular event at that time, um, renewable energy and energy efficiency were massively um, popular topics for discussion and you can see the huffing puffing generators on the event site and you can see all the stage lights blaring out at you whereas your car's back in the car park. Right. So, you know, that did bring the importance factor up as well. So um, whilst and that's a, a good argument for the, the impact of the actual event's um, production compared to the impact of transferring 
um, messages. So, you know, in everyday life, perhaps the flip side is, is the case uh, for individual households where their GHG impacts maybe much more about lighting and air conditioning in their, and heating in their houses compared to the GHGs from getting on the bus to go to work. So, mm. you know, there's, there's, there's both sides to be thinking about as well. So yes. just to make it a little more complex. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. Well, um, ugh, like I said, you know, so much to talk about and I have yeah. a great list of resources and I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, some of the links that you said you could provide. Um, yeah. and I just can't thank you enough for your time. Um, I, I'm, I'm thinking we could even have you, you know, on in the future or, um, you know, there's yes. probably more we could talk about, but I just want to thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. And, no um, Everybody, um, you know, if you have any comments or questions, um, you can reach uh, myself or Megan. And is it just greenshootpacific.com? Yeah, that's okay. right. Okay, perfect. And I'll, of course, have this listed as always in our resources and links. Um, but thank you, everyone, for this month.